0: 99.9. That is the percentage chance that the Sacramento Kings had to win tonight's game in Phoenix, up 22 points with just over eight minutes remaining in the game. Instead, the Kings completely fall apart. They blow the biggest fourth quarter lead since the NBA bubble, and they fall in Phoenix 119 to 117. Oh, yeah, we're mad. Oh, yeah, we're disappointed. But mainly, we're disgusted right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed with any $5 bet. You can find out more at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter from ABC 10 News. Where the hell do we go from here? What do we do? What do we talk about? What do the Sacramento Kings do tonight after blowing this lead, after losing a game that they absolutely should have won, the second straight night where the Kings should have won but didn't because of self-inflicted wounds, because they completely fell apart. And I know that the Kings have been getting blown out and getting their butts kicked way too many times this season, and that in its own right has been un- unacceptable. We've talked about it a lot here over the course of this season so far, and many of us have been calling for, hey, Matt, just if you're going to lose, lose competitively, right? Don't lose by 10, 20, 30 points like you've done so many times this season, right? Lose a close game. <laughs> well, here we are. The Kings ending this five-game road trip 3-2 and when and it should have been 4-1. and one. They lose to the Bucks in overtime because of missed free throws and Damian Lillard hitting a game-winning three, but maybe for some of you, that was an acceptable loss. To me, in a lot of ways, as much as the free throws pissed me off and pissed so many of you off, and we talked about it a lot after that game on Locked On Kings, as much as the free throw shooting Was a problem. It felt like overall the fight from the Sacramento Kings in that game was much better. I talked a lot about how that offense looked like itself again. The Kings were playing their style of basketball again. They just so happened to be beat on the road. Tough circumstances against a championship caliber team. Okay, fine. Accept it and move on. You can't move on and then blow a 22-point lead against the Phoenix Suns. The Kings return home and take on the Indiana Pacers on Thursday. Tyrese Halliburton not expected to play. He's been out with that injury, which sucks for that matchup. But to be completely honest with you, I know the Kings want to get back on the floor. I know the Kings cannot wait and are going to stew all day tomorrow getting ready for that game. To to have the opportunity to, to, to show that what happened in Phoenix is not who they are. To take out that frustration on the Indiana Pacers. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. At this point in time, I don't care. I don't want to see it, right? They can't wait to get out there, but I sure as hell can. Where do the Kings go from here? It only took them seven minutes and 37 seconds to blow a 22-point lead. The Suns finished this game on a 32-8 to eight run. From the 614 mark in the fourth quarter to the 206 mark, the Sacramento Kings did not make a shot. They made free throws. they did not make a shot. That's four minutes and eight seconds that this offense, which is the strength and identity of this King's team, or at least it's supposed to be, has completely disappeared. they they, they could not shoot because the Phoenix Suns went small. That's the reason why this King's offense got completely taken out of uh, sorts and completely fell apart? Because the Phoenix Suns, who you've been picking apart all game long through good ball movement, good choices with the ball, good cutting, swinging the ball around, getting to the paint, touching the paint, and then spraying the ball out. You've been doing that for damn near the entire game. But as soon as the Phoenix Suns decide that they're going to pull their center out and play Kevin Durant at the five, that's when everything falls apart? Hell no. That's an excuse to me. The Kings fell apart because they went away from what they do best. And we're going to spend a good portion of this podcast because I had been planning for most of this game to be talking about a Kings win. And to be talking about how for the second straight game, the Kings offense looked like themselves again. For the second straight game, that identity, what the Kings were known for last year, seemed to be making its return. And I had a bunch of numbers to look through and compare last season offensively to this season offensively and see where it's different. And I found some very interesting results. We're going to get to that in the next segment. But instead of focusing on that after a win and what the Kings can still do better to, to correct those offensive inefficiencies that they have, but after a good offensive performance, instead, here we are talking about a Kings team who completely fell apart and blew a ridiculous lead. The Kings are the first team now since August of 2020 to blow a 22-point lead in the fourth quarter. Other teams were 0 and 1,244, down 22 points in the fourth quarter, again, since August of 2020. De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. Let's talk about them. I have the final box score here in front of me. It might as well say irrelevant on it. Like, I don't care that DeMondis Sabonis, did he have another triple-double? He did. Great. I don't care. I don't care that De'Aaron Fox had 33 points and made six three-pointers. I don't care. It's all in a big, fat L that never should have happened. Here is what I care about. After... De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk combined one of four from the free throw line in that loss in Milwaukee. They come out and they shoot 14 of Sacramento's 18 field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. And they go four of 14. Less than 30%. There's a very fine line between being a clutch player and playing isolation hero ball. And the Phoenix Suns, had been trying to play isolation against the Sacramento Kings the entire damn game. And the Kings' offense, or rather the Kings' defense, looked great, looked excellent against them. Excellent the entire night. Because the Suns were not moving the ball. Suddenly, when the Kings are falling apart and the Suns are getting t- are out in transition, they're moving the ball around the perimeter, shots are starting to fall. Weird how the Suns beat the Sacramento Kings the same way the Kings have been beating the Suns the entire night. The Kings went to isolation, hero ball, relied way too much on two guys who dropped the ball. Now, I understand De'Aaron Fox is the clutch player of the year, and I understand more often than not, in the Monk Fox era, those two have done great things in the fourth quarter compared to bad things. So I'm not going to stand here and, and, and say that the Kings need to go away from the two of them in the fourth quarter from here on out. That's ridiculous, right? Those two are, so, in, in so many ways, the lifeblood, the energy of the Sacramento Kings. They both have the green light in the fourth quarter, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay to ride or die with those two. That being said, you died because of them tonight. You died because of their free throw shooting the night before, too. If anybody is looking themselves in the mirror, it has to be those two first and foremost. Mike Brown also has to be looking in the mirror, too. Everybody on this Kings team, coaching staff, front office, who should be looking to make moves and I know is looking to make moves, everybody needs to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves one question. Who is going to take charge and do something about what the Sacramento Kings have been showing for the most part this season, which is inconsistency, lack of leadership. Who is going to stand up and do something about it? Who's going to say something? Who's going to change something? I'm sure changes are being made and conversations are being had behind the scenes, right? Even though I saw De'Aaron Fox smiling while walking off the court at the end of the game, De'Aaron Fox is able to just take these games, crumple them into a ball, and forget them as soon as he leaves the arena. That's how he, that's his coping mechanism. Whether you like it or not, that's how he handles things. I don't know if that's the right or wrong way to handle it. I don't necessarily am, I'm not too happy seeing my star smiling after blowing a 22 point lead. I'm also not happy seeing Malik Monk going up and talking to the officials after the game, clearly frustrated with the officials. When he just a couple of weeks ago was telling the media that the Kings are talking to the officials too much. I don't want to hear anything about the officials after blowing a 22-point lead in the fourth quarter. And if you want to, if, you, if you're frustrated with the foul call that De'Aaron Fox, or De'Aaron Fox got against. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant uh, was call, or drew a foul on Fox. He had up, ended up hitting those two free throws that won the game for the Phoenix Suns. If you're mad about it, go back and watch the play again. It's a foul on De'Aaron Fox. And if you want to say, yeah, but Fox wouldn't have gotten that call on the other end of the floor. I don't care tonight. I don't care. Because De'Aaron Fox wasn't putting himself in a position to get that foul call by trying to attack the defense. He, monk, everybody, settling in the fourth quarter. Offense completely fell apart. So who is going to do something about it? Mike, De'Aaron, Domas, Monty McNair? I don't know if this is the low point of the season. If it is, you definitely can come back from it, right? It's not, you can't really say you're rock bottom when you're 23 and 17. The Kings are still in a fine position. In the grand scheme of things, this is just another loss. It's gonna show up as a loss the same way all the other losses do, the same way all wins show up as wins, right? The context will eventually be lost. But what this team is dealing with, the issues that this team has, they continue to just be glaring, right? And they continue to make these mistakes or have these issues that show that they're not ready to get to where they want to be, which is great, right? Mike Brown prepared us. He told us that jump from good to great is a lot harder than going from bad to good. If you didn't believe him then, hopefully you believe him now. That being said, Mike, you know how difficult it is. You know how to make that jump. You've done it before in your career. These players haven't, or most of these players, I should say, have not. Take control. Somebody take control. Respond. And don't just do it for three quarters. Don't just do it for a half. Don't just do it for a strong start. Do it for a complete game. Tonight, I thought, was going to be that great response. And we've seen the Kings respond after bad losses before this season, only for two or three games later to fall right back into the same hole. When is the response going to be continuous? When are they going to respond well and continue to play well for a, a, a good stretch of time? That's what I'm looking for from this Kings team. Let's run through some of these numbers really quick. We're going to dive deep into numbers here, so if if you don't like that, it might be a frustrating podcast for you. But the fourth quarter numbers compared to the first three quarters, right? The Kings turned the ball over eight times in the fourth quarter. They turned the ball over only six times in the first three quarters. The Kings scored only two fast break points in the fourth quarter after scoring uh, 12 fast break points in the first three quarters. They weren't getting out in transition anymore. And the Kings only had four assists in the fourth quarter after 30 assists in the first three quarters they went completely away from what they were doing right and here they are staring at another terrible blown loss i saw some people comparing this blown loss to when they blew a a big lead against the brooklyn nets at home when d'angelo russell led the nets to a comeback victory over the Sacramento Kings in the Golden One Center. You know the difference between that loss and this one? That was a bad basketball team or a below average basketball team. This is a good basketball team. This is a team with the talent, with the expectations, and your you're absolutely the ability to not make those mistakes and not have bad losses are gonna happen to every team, right? Uh, Blowing a 22-point lead in the fourth quarter, that's not a bad loss. That's a complete and utter collapse. Like I said, I I have a lot of numbers here, a lot of numbers, to uh, compare this Kings offense this season to their offense last season. Some things are surprising. Some things really jump off the page. I'll discuss those in the next segment. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, a fitting sponsor for this episode of Locked on Kings. BetterHelp deals with mental health and with therapy. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is the source that you should use. Look, in all seriousness, mental health can be something as as simple as frustrations after your, your, your favorite team blows a big lead in the fourth quarter to serious issues that you need to talk to somebody about, you need to unpack, you need to work through all that stuff can pile upon us and weigh us down. And it could include weight that we're not even aware that we are carrying. I've been seeing a therapist since, the, uh, since, since COVID, right? And it's been a, an amazing decision for me, something that I've really, really enjoyed, something that I look forward to because I came into therapy thinking I didn't need it because my problems weren't big enough, right? I didn't have any kind of serious issue or things like that that, that I know a lot of people deal with. And if you are dealing with that, please, I encourage you, therapy is essential. But for those of you who aren't dealing with that, who are kind of like me, where you think, yeah, I have, I have little things and stuff like that, but it, it's not worth seeing a therapist, go and give it a try because you'll be surprised how much it helps you talking about those things and how much there are deeper, bigger things behind those small, trivial things that are truly weighing you down. Give BetterHelp a try. Go to betterhelp.com right now. You can, get, uh, you can give a, a therapy a try. You can look at all the different therapists that are out there. You fill up a, 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 gr- a brief questionnaire. and You can get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I know we are all busy. That's why BetterHelp makes so much sense. Visit BetterHelp.com slash nba today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com locked on NBA. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. If you took the Kings money line tonight on FanDuel, I apologize. Normally the action is a lot better and your nights on FanDuel are a lot more fun than what tonight was in that case. But with the NFL playoffs in full swing, plus we're deep into the trenches of the NBA season, it is the best time to get involved with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets after placing a $5 bet guaranteed, no matter what. So you put $5 down on whatever you want to put it down on. If you win, great. If you lose, doesn't matter. Here's $150 in bonus bets that you're getting on top of your winnings or your lose, your loss, no matter what. And you can use that $150 to do live same-game parlays. You can go uh, to their new Explore tab to find Fun and unique bets on a daily or nightly basis. You can make a parlay in their parlay tab, which is where you can find all the fun and active parlays that a lot of other players are making uh, around the the, the world and more. Visit fanduelcom slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is an official sponsor and partner of the NFL. Last season, the Sacramento Kings identity was their offense. They had the statistically best offense in NBA History, best, highest offensive rating, most points per game scored. To put that into context, the Kings scored 120.7 points per game last season. They had an offensive rating of 118.6. This year, their scoring is down from 120.7 to 118.2. It's only two points, but that's still a decent drop-off. Their offensive rating is down from 118.6 to 116.3. They're now eighth in scoring, 14th in offensive rating. They've gone from the best to still pretty good and middle of the pack offensive rating wise. There's been a drop off with this Kings team. The offense has been their identity, and as they've looked to improve the defense, they've sacrificed a little on the offensive end and sometimes maybe sacrificed a little too much. But I did a deep dive on the numbers to try and figure out why or where offensively the kings are just not holding up to what they did last season and to be honest with you i was less surprised by the areas where they're struggling and more surprised by the majority of area uh, areas statistically that they're either slightly worse slightly better or around the exact same a lot of numbers are, are pretty perplexing the king's offense Eye test-wise, it just feels like they're not nearly as good as they were yet last year, right? But in so many ways, they're almost the exact same. For context, too, a lot of the Kings' struggles, I think, also come from the fact that so many other teams offensively are just playing and shooting and scoring at a historic level right now. Again, for context, the Kings, 120.7 points per game and 118.6 offensive rating. That was the highest in NBA history. There are seven teams with higher offensive ratings right now than the Kings had last season. Seven teams. Just goes to show offense continues to be at a premium. Offense just keeps going up, 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 in the NBA scoring has never, ever been better in this league. So that's definitely part of it. But let's dive into some of these numbers. The Kings' shooting percentages Across the board, in terms of zone, we're talking like within 5 feet, 5 to 10 feet, uh, 3-point range, whatever. Like, they're actually almost identical. Some have very, very slight drop-offs. The biggest drop-off is from the mid-range. In uh, 15 to 19-footers, the Kings are down from 45% to 36%. So that mid-range jumper has fallen off for the Kings. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the play of De'Aaron Fox a little bit. But that mid-range jumper, that 15 to 19-feet, That's where the Kings have completely fallen apart. But that does not explain why offensively they look so much worse or they're struggling so much more offensively this year than they did last year. But again, numbers very similar. The Kings are 19th in catch-and-shoot percentage this season. They're 37% in catch-and-shoot, and and they generate a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities near the top of the league in catch-and-shoot opportunities because of Mike Brown's offense and the way they attack the basket attack the paint, get those paint touches, and spray to shooters. That is what Mike Brown, it's a pillar of Mike Brown's offense, right? So there are a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities generated for this Kings offense. Their shooting percentage is at 37%, which is 19th in the league, so the bottom half of the league. Last season, that percentage was only 38.5%, so only a percent and a half better, but that was 10th in the league. I expected that number to be drastically different. Right, going in, I was like, okay, there's going to be like a three, 4% drop off at least with catch and shoot uh, percentage for Sacramento because it feels like they're just missing so many more open catch and shoot looks this season compared to last year, right? The DHO game between Sabonis and and, uh, Kevin Herter, for example, is just not working as much. Or Keegan Murray's not taking as many catch and shoot threes because he's now trying to create for himself and put the ball on the floor and attack the basket. Those seem like natural explanations, but you look at the numbers. And they're almost the exact same. What does that say? Teams are just shooting the ball better. Like, if the Kings have only a, a percentage and a half worse catch and shoot percentage, but that is nine spots worse than they were last year, that means other teams are just shooting the ball well right now. And then there's pace, right? Wow, this Kings team, they need to play fast. They love to play fast, right? It doesn't feel like the Kings are playing as fast as they should be this season. Their pace numbers are nearly the same. The Kings were 11th or are 11th in pace this season at 100.2. That is their pace. They were 12th in pace last season at 100.9. So their pace number last season was a little bit better, but they were actually worse or lower last season than they were this season. Again, those numbers are so close, it's inconsequential. That You can't point to that as, oh, okay, the Kings are playing at a slower pace. That's why offensively they're struggling. No, the pace is almost the exact same. It's fine. Well, what about how much have we talked about? Man, the Kings are just too reliant on three-point shooting, right? They're they're shooting too many threes. That's got to be one of the reasons. That's what I thought. So I looked that up. The Kings are uh, 44% of the field goals that the Sacramento Kings are shooting are from three-point range. 44% kind of feels like a lot, right? That's the fourth highest in the NBA. That's only two percent more than last season. So yes, they're shooting more. Three pointers this season, but barely, like a couple more per game. And last season, they shot or they had the highest percentage of three pointers shot in a game, the fifth highest in the league compared to four. So they're only barely up. What about Kings' ball movement, right? When this Kings team is at their best and this is what they were doing so well in this game to start, right? The assist-to-turnover ratio in this game was amazing. They were assisting on almost every bucket. They had 15 assists at the end of the first quarter, right? The, The Kings were doing such a good job sharing the basketball. That is Sacramento Kings basketball, right? The Kings lead the league this season in passes. So they're passing the ball more this year than they ever did before. That's certainly not a bad thing, unless they're passing up too many good shots, which I don't think this Kings team is doing. The Kings are fifth in total assist percentage up from seventh last year, meaning percentage of their shots are coming off of assists. Percentage of their made shots are coming off of assists. So that's not different either. The passing is is better than it was last year. So why offensively is this Kings team worse? I found the two big differences and they don't include a significant difference that everybody knows free throw shooting right the kings free throw shooting is down from 79% to 73% as a team right C- completely f- fallen off right they're they're bottom of the league in free throw shooting percentage and we know that killed them last or, or sunday night against milwaukee their free throw shooting attempts are also down 25 to 22 they went from 7th in the in the league in free throw shooting attempts per game to 20th in the league. So they're not getting to the line as much either. You want to blame the officials for that, that's fine, whatever, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter if they're getting to the line or not, they're not making them at the line. That's not the biggest difference. Here are the two biggest differences. These are the two main things that I found that is holding Sacramento's offense back compared to last season. Fast break points and points off of turnovers. When the Kings create stops, and create turnovers, this team looks very, very good. Tonight, they were doing that, right? They were getting out in transition. This Kings team is, is, is damn near unstoppable when they get out in transition. Really, really good. They have gone from 14.9 fast break points per game to 10.7. That's seventh in the league in fast break points to 25th. The Kings have gone from 17.6 points off of turnovers a game to 15.4. That's 11th in points off of turnovers to 27. They've gone from top half of the league and, and, and at least in, in in fast break points, top 10 in the league to almost at the the very bottom in points off of turnovers and fast break points. This Kings team is not playing to one of their primary strengths because their defense, even though they're focusing more on their defense and their defensive numbers have slightly improved, they're not getting enough stops and generating enough opportunities in transition to be as good and as dynamic and deadly offensively as they were last season. So if the Kings are looking for something to work on, I mean, there's a million things this Kings team has to work on, but if they're looking for something to work on between... Tonight's terrible loss and hopefully redemption on Thursday against Indiana. Maybe that's what you should be looking at. Again, fast break points and points off of turnovers. The two biggest areas of drop-off that I have found, other than free throw shooting, for this Kings team statistically this season. I know defense is important. We've talked about this many times. The defense is definitely important for the Kings. Their defense needs to be better. They need defensive help, sure. But offensively, that is the primary strength of this Kings team. And just like we saw in this fourth quarter, when the Kings offense falls apart, when the Kings offense cannot score, this entire team completely collapses. They look like a shell of themselves when they cannot score. That's what they need to fix first before trying to salvage something defensively with this roster. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape for some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we talk for a minute about being prepared for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's really scary. I can't imagine being in a situation where my wife, Brittany, or my son, Arthur, don't have access to the medications and antibiotics and the things that they need to get better, right? I don't even wanna humor that idea. Well, thankfully, I don't have to because I have the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to bring a a long list or rather to treat a long list of bacterial infections, uh, such as uh, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This is stuff that can happen to any one of us, so we always have to be prepared. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never more important to be prepared than it is right now today. Go to jacemedical.com and use our code on to get $20 off your order. Well, for those of you who have stuck with me through all those numbers, first off, thank you. I appreciate you. Hopefully those numbers were revealing to you in some way or you learned a thing or two from that. and It didn't bore you too much. Uh, but let's talk about something different. Let's talk about something that I know a lot of you have already been talking about before tonight's game. And now after tonight's game, you're probably talking about it even more. That's that this roster needs help, right? I still don't know if a major, massive Kings move is coming, but I know Monty McNair was in the footprint center or whatever it's called. He was there tonight. He watched. He's been watching what's been happening far too often with this Kings roster. He knows that changes need to be made, right? Now, we've heard the Kings involved in rumors. We heard the sweepstakes for the pa- excuse me Pascal Siakam situation. Like, the Kings are definitely active. They're looking, and many expect the Kings to make some kind of move. Well, the most recent name that the Kings have been tied to that I've seen is Atlanta Hawks center Clint Capella, I think that's a player that makes a lot of sense for the Sacramento Kings for two reasons, rim protection and rebounding. The Kings need rim protection. They have none of it on this team. Malik Monk leads the Kings in block shots. Tells you everything you need to know. This Kings team needs rim protection. They absolutely do not have it. Clint Capella helps with that. Plus, it's never a bad thing to have more rebounding. As much as Demontis Sabonis has been a vacuum on the boards, that's great. Mike Brown has been asking far too many times for everybody not named Sabonis to grab more rebounds. Capella certainly helps with that problem. But speaking of Sabonis, there's a natural concern of, Matt, if you go out and get Clint Capella, are you moving Demondis Sabonis to the four? Can Sabonis play the four? Can Sabonis guard the four? Does that make sense? Is that worth it? Well, here's what I'll say. Offensively, I'm more concerned about it than defensively. Defensively, I think a combination of, of Capella and Sabonis with Capella protecting the rim and protecting the paint And the heavy switch offense that the Sacramento Kings already, or defense, I should say, that the Sacramento Kings already run, I don't think defensively it would be that bad. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think so. Offensively, I'm a little more concerned about the spacing, right? Because Clint Capella, he doesn't shoot threes, like, at all. Like, he doesn't even attempt them. He's not a three-point shooter. So how does that impact and affect Sabonis? I still think you absolutely can and do run the offense through to Sabonis a lot of the time. And Sabonis is probably going to have the more opportunity uh, to shoot more threes. In fact, he would need to. Sabonis this season is shooting 40.9% from three-point range. It's good. He was shooting 37% from three-point range last season. I'll definitely take that. The problem is, both this season and last season, Sabonis is averaging 1.13-point attempts per game. I, for one, am okay with Sabonis shooting more. I think it's okay for DeMontus Sabonis to shoot three three-pointers a game. And if he makes one of three, you live with it. But he's more than capable of making two two of three. And if he makes O of three, okay. Like, I'm willing to let that uh, that ride for a little while. But hey, maybe Clint Capella is not the guy that you're looking for. Maybe you're looking for a bigger swing. Maybe you're looking for like a Jeremy Grant. Maybe you're looking for a Kyle Kuzma. Maybe you want the Kings to get back involved in the Siakam sweepstakes. Siakam apparently is garnering interest from the Indiana Pacers and apparently multiple first-round picks, like three first-round picks are involved. And on the table. I don't know if I would do that. But there's certainly a big risk with Siakam. I don't think that's the right move for the Sacramento Kings. And if we're talking about throwing three first-round picks at guys, I know a guy that I would be willing to throw three first-round picks at. Michael Bridges from the Brooklyn Nets. This is not something that I just came up with off the top of my head. I've had a conversation with the Locked on Nets podcast about this. We have an agreement to a deal. So coming up on the Locked On Kings podcast, tomorrow, tomorrow's episode of Locked On Kings, to kind of forget about what's happening on the court for a little bit and talk about moves that can change things off the court. Because if the Kings landed Michael Bridges and added him to this Kings core, I think that would do wonders for this, this team and this roster overall. If the Kings were able to do that, that'd be pretty incredible. So forget what happened tonight. We'll put that in the, well, we can't really, but we'll at least put that on hold for a little bit until Thursday, and we'll focus off the court. Locked on Kings and Locked on Nets coming together tomorrow to talk about a potential Michael Bridges trade and what that looks like. We'll discuss that, so I hope you will join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. As for right now, though, in between now and then, here's your opportunity to event. Say what you got to say. Hit me up on Twitter at Sack. Uh, email me, Sports at gmail.com. Let me know in the comment section down below. I read them all. I try to respond to as many as I possibly can. Send me what you're thinking. You just listen to me ramble and and, and spew my nonsense for the last 30 minutes or however long it's been. It's your turn. What do you want to say? Get it off your chest. Let's talk about it. Hit me up again at MattGeorgeStack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. As for now, tonight ending, ending a bad night on a sour note. It is what it is. Just another night in the NBA. Hopefully one this Kings team can respond from. We all need a good night's sleep, I think, after tonight. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.